If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2022 where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. And get your favorite drinks delivered today. I'm like, okay, I'm Korean. I make kimchi. I make kimchi you here. You ferment no it yourself? To. Yeah. We, For we real? Make... Where's the hole in the ground? <laughs> <laughs> No? <laughs> this is how kimchi is made? Yo. Welcome to the worst Asian podcast where a couple Asian American millennials give you our shitty opinions on all things Asian. My name is Linji. I'm here on location with my co-host, Ben. Hello, hello, hello. How you doing today, Ben? I'm good, man. Good morning. I know you have your whole career in the restaurant industry. The closest I get to it, I did a couple years over at KFC. That's a very good uh, culinary establishment. Almost Michelin star. Almost. So there you go. I think we both have a lot <laughs> to relate to our guest today. We have a lot of... Uh... We have a lot of credentials I would here. say I probably have a bit more to relate to because when I was at KFC, I was back of the house. Oh, there you go, chef. I'm sorry about that, chef. <laughs> You're right. My apologies. On the podcast today, we have owner of No One in New York, Manhattan. You may have seen them also previously on the interwebs, featured on Munchies, Eaters, Gothamist, and I think you had a small blurb in the New York Times as well at some point. Yes, he does. Welcome to the podcast, chef and future podcaster himself, Jay Lee. What's Woo! up, guys? Thanks for having me. What's up, man? Thanks for having us at your place. Thanks for traveling all this way. You got a really good setup here, I gotta say. Thank you. Wow, that's really impressive. I thought you'd be coming in like with more stuff, but how compact it is. I'm not sure if you saw, but my backpack before looked kind of lean. It's like 40 pounds. Yeah, that thing, it's like, you know, those like weighted vests and shit. Yeah. It's legit a fucking weighted vest. Wow. Yeah. No fucking joke. It's at least 45 pounds. And like that's cutting the leanness that we can. These aren't mic stands. These are dumbbells, bro. <laughs> These are like legit oh, wow. like fucking. <laughs> You are looking to do your own podcast, right? I am. I am starting to record now. You know, I, I don't really have experience like with any podcast, actually. But uh, my social media manager, Archer, he loves doing creative things. And he pitched to me, hey, if you ever want to do like a podcast, you let me know. I'll set it all up for you and you just do it. Tell, let me know when you want to talk. So I thought about it for a few months and I said, you know what? Let's let's just do it. You know, I'll, I'll just it's creative outlet, you know, nice to do something outside of your, you know, day to day, uh, something new and exciting. So I love talking to people. And so I'm starting. It's called Takeaway with Jay podcast. Oh, very clever. You want to tell the listeners what that's about? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I hope this podcast actually happens because if I talk about it, it doesn't happen. <laughs> I'll cut this shit out. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> I'll cut this part out. <laughs> We're not going live at least a couple more weeks. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. So then I'm actually going to read you my my intro. We're just doing a mashup right now. It's like, yeah, That's I mean, two podcasts. I don't, want, I don't want to make it seem like I'm taking over no, no, this no, go podcast. For go, go for it. Welcome to Takeaway with Jay Podcast. My name is Jay Lee, a chef, restaurateur, and a takeout fanatic. Each episode, we will feature a special guest from the hospitality industry, ranging from owners, chefs, to bartenders. We will order food from their favorite takeout spot and break bread together. Expect food review, human conversation, and our takeaway. You ready? Let's order. Hey. That, that is a good concept. 
Ben and I do this shit, but we legit have no direct plan. Yeah, we don't have like another. Well, let's see. I mean, uh, it's it's uh, you know, <laughs> ideas are easy. Executing yes, is yes. hard. You know it's what I mean? Execution. So, that's ninety nine percent of it. Everybody has the greatest idea in the world, but that's true. Executing is the really hard part. But so. you got a couple episodes in the bank, though. Got to the first one went way too long. Archer was like giving me the, the oh, cut sign. Yo, yo, it's like, way too he's, long. He's the producer of behind he's the like, scenes. He's like, like thinking about all the all the hours he has to trim down. He's like, dude, yo. this is. I feel the anxiety. <laughs> yo, yo, we yo, were chatting yo. before, and Jay told me his first episode ran three hours. Yeah, I can't imagine what your guy is gonna have to do with a three-hour episode. I saw his face. He, he's such a nice guy. He's like, <laughs> he's like, oh, it, it's okay. It's too long, but it, it's okay. I have no life. I, I saw his okay. facial expression and I felt so bad. I'm like, all right, yo, um, the next episode, you let me know when I'm halfway through so I can kind of divert the conversation. The second episode I recorded yesterday, actually, here, it went one hour long on the dot and I was actually like happy with how that went. One hour is perfect because one hour with some, you know, cut the dead air sometimes, you trim it down to maybe 40, 50 minutes. That's like perfect. Yeah, you need, there's like a science to it. All right, let's get to your real job. For those that are interested, I'll have the links down below. Hopefully, by the time that this episode releases, Jay will have his podcast officially live live. All right, Jay, your day job. You're not a podcaster. I'm not. What are you exactly? So I call myself an executive dishwasher. (laughs) So honestly, like the chef is like a title that means really nothing to me. Honestly, this is the first I own. I opened no one in East Village. This is my third year now. We opened in November 2019, three and a half months before pandemic. Yeah. Before opening this restaurant, I was really, I prided myself in being a chef. This title, I wore on my chest so proud. But after opening my own business, that title doesn't mean as much to me anymore, you know? So what? how I thought I should lead previously to opening my own restaurant, I don't lead the same way anymore. Mm. So yeah, I mean, yeah. So I guess my official title is uh, chef and owner of No One in East Village. But honestly, the title means nothing. I just, I'm a restaurateur, small business owner. The best dishwasher in all of New York. Dude, I'm I'm the I can jump in any station and help anywhere. If you need, I'm I'm here for the team, you know. They yell service. Because that's what it's about, right? Like when you're a small business owner of any kind in whatever industry, you just really need to get to the nitty-gritty. Results are what matters. Exactly. For those that don't live in in New York, you want to tell them what exactly your restaurant no one's about? Yeah, so no one is a Korean American pocha. And pocha is basically a Korean version of gastropub. We're an eating and drinking place. My goal is to uh, merge the two cultures of my of my cultures. I'm Korean, born in Korea, but raised in New York. And I wanted to bridge the two cultures together. So I showcase a lot of flavors from Korea, but done so in, in American dishes. For example, we have our, uh, well, we have like five real classic dishes that really took off since my pop-up days. But um, one example is our smash burger. We yes. There's American cheese, it's butter toasted on sesame seeded bun. But the sauce on it is kimchi mayo that we make in-house. Another example is tater tots, but we glaze it in honey butter inspired by honey butter potato chips. Uh, we toss that also with homemade like seaweed seasoning and we garnish it with flaky sea salt and labna, which is a uh, yogurt cheese. <sighs> yeah. So, yeah, that sounds good. And we haven't had any food yet. Yeah. So so that that's what we are. And we, we just got our full liquor license. So now we're making cocktails with liquor like just just got your full liquor license yeah we had a beer and wine license previously so we were able to serve beer wine and soju but now we can serve cocktails made with spirits such as gin vodka tequila so now we're building our 
beverage program, which is really exciting for me. And that yeah. was super recently that you got that license? <laughs> like last week. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> your, your eyes are like Yo, that for, big shit. for our long time listeners out there one quick side note um, obviously those know that I am not drinking right now in 2020 but they will also be surprised to find out that Jay himself is also not drinking and for much longer than I have wait when did you stop? I lost the bet last year so I started going dry in January 1st of this year I, I st- wait oh you this year we're oh, in 2022 year? Year. oh you started this year yeah. you've been going much longer yeah I started uh, January of 2020 last year Wait, what's, what was last year? 2020, right? <laughs> 21, no, 2021. 2021. It was 2022 now, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, see, I'm getting dishes. lost in time. Yeah, does, yeah, I just want to stay in the past, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I quit last year, 2021, in January. So I've been dry for over a year now. Props. I first found out about that because when we were doing some pre-recording research, I saw you did a, a recent article for Eater Magazine. Yes. Well, I, when that article came out, I had so many like messages, emails from like people across the U.S. They're like, "Hey, do you want to like join our like AA group? Like, do you want to do you need support? Like, it was really, really amazing, you know." But honestly, though, I can like for myself, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that it was I would get that many messages. Honestly, yeah, 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 yeah. a yeah. lot of support, a lot of support. It's really I'm, I'm blessed, honestly, because I don't I don't get urges to like uh, I want to I need I need a shot. I don't get urges like that ever. Also, um, you used to smoke cigarettes back then. I did smoked a lot of cigarettes. Parliaments, that, right. was, that was my cigarette. <laughs> right. There was remember the three three pack. It was like two packs. Yeah. It was a three pack yeah, bundle. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. The one pack was a was like flabby. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like eighteen dollars at CVS or yes. Dwayne Reed. Yeah, Damn, that was you know? that was my jam, man. Yeah, the throwback right there. In terms of like quitting like everything, I was like, you've been holding strong for a while now. You mentioned this in the article, but for those that aren't in the restaurant industry, there's like a whole subculture, restaurant staff, restaurateurs, chefs going out to drink and everything afterwards. Man, I mean, yes, it's <laughs> yeah. it's a real big part of the culture. And because um, once you finish work at like 12 a.m., like 1 a.m., like what, what else is there to do? It's True. a weekend and you, you're, you're with your team. You guys want to spend more time together and build a bond outside of work. Exactly. So where do you go? You go to the nearest bar right across the street. That's actually kind of hard to take yourself away from that, right? It's hard because you don't, there's a lot of peer pressure too. Um, and you don't want to also seem like you're not down with the crew. If you don't want to hang out with the team, like they might look at you like, oh, he doesn't, he's not one of us kind of thing. Yeah. It, it, you get sucked into that you know, into that kind that of environment culture. and that, into that culture real often, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say also, there's been times where you're just slammed. This was a busy shift. The adrenaline, the stress, you know, it all builds up. And the best relief is like, hey, let me just have a cold one. Yes. I'm pretty sure you don't miss those nights of like waking up feeling like fucked up. And Not like at all. Being hung over and shit. I don't miss that. That's the one thing I kind of really don't like about this industry, I guess. The next day, you're like, oh, God, the regret. We always talk about hangover cure. Oh yeah, you know what's your hangover cure? Oh, a Pedialyte, uh, Shin Ramen. Oh my, a bacon, egg, and cheese with ketchup and hot sauce. Uh, my hangover is pho. cure is a pho. pho you yeah. know what the best cure to hangover is? No hangover. <laughs> Just don't drink. Have that one beer and get the fuck home. Has that helped with the work stuff too? Have you seen direct correlations from you maybe being mentally more focused? Yes, yes, one hundred times yes. I feel, I feel way more focused. I've been way more productive. I've been a better leader to my team. Your mood. I've been more present every day. Right. Um, not for myself, for Rebecca, for my team, for my family. I feel, I feel great. I feel really good. Like I'm tired. Like I'm tired right now. I'm tired because I've been. Wor- I haven't had a day off. Right. It, the but, physical limits. But my energy level is still consistent. I can still be productive. Uh, Linji, we talked about this. We sleep better at night. Yep. Quality of sleep is better. I spend less money. Um, <laughs> uh, less cab money. I stop. 
Yes, and I and I stopped <laughs> having cravings. Oh, the late night Food munchies cravings? and shit. The late, oh, night, yeah. the late night fucking munchies. Yeah, like, dude, I haven't even had I haven't had ramen in how long? I don't know how long now. No way. I don't ever crave like unhealthy stuff. Like, I haven't had a halal guys in such a long time. Oh shit, that's a good spot too. So, <laughs> good recommendation. So I, I think it's just led to just a healthier lifestyle. I think I was uh, at one point. I, I think because of all the drinking and bad eating, I think I was pre-diabetic at one point. My triglyceride levels were very high. I had fatty liver. I had a high blood pressure, so they had to put me on medication. By the way, you do look a lot leaner. Oh, really? Yeah, your face fucking leaned up. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and th- and that's all because I stopped drinking because naturally, I just stopped, stopped having cravings for all this. It's crazy how one thing just leads to so many other things, right? Because I constantly joke about it. It's kind of a shtick that we're going with. Yes. People always ask like, how's Lin you doing? Uh, I think he's managing. <laughs> he's good. But there are genuine positive physical. We were talking about before. I do genuinely get uh, deeper, better sleep. Linji always preaches about like how important the quality of sleep and the amount of sleep and having it consistent. Yes. You, how many hours do you sleep a night? I would say at least seven. Okay. At least so, seven. Because of this podcast, speaking of like health and wellness, if you want to live a better, healthier life, start a podcast. <laughs> I'm just, like no joke. Wait, so your health got better because you started a podcast? Yes, sir. Wow. Because he was more accountable to me. <laughs> Yo. Let's just be real. Yeah. Now he actually doesn't go out when we have something the next day. Oh, my life. You're welcome, man. Yo, man, you must be very proud of yourself. <laughs> I'm, I'm not just proud of myself. I'm just so glad, like, just like we're doing this right now. It's amazing. It's been a great journey. Okay, we've gone on like enough tangents right now. Let's try to get back <laughs> on track before I got cut this three-hour episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, at one point, you went to Hunter College to go to nursing. Yes. Which is a very standard, safe career. Now, what crazy part of you decided to leave that? wholesome normal career and become a chef that's a very easy question to answer i failed chemistry (laughs) (laughs) is that really why that's really why chemistry was a prereq to get into the nursing program at hunter at the same uh you did yeah that's but please then i studied my ass off all nighters and i i walked out of my (laughs) exam feeling so confident yeah and um i failed miserably so i said you know what this is not for me what am i doing oh my god I had the same same uh, issue. I kept failing it. It was chemistry only. I guess for how this thing turned out, it's a good thing that you failed that chemistry class. Yeah, I, I think it was a, it was bound to happen, you know? Prior to actually the nursing thing, you never actually thought about being a chef? Never. Never. How'd you get hooked into it then? So I got into it because I moved out of my parents' house in Long Island for college, for Hunter College. My dad told me if I wanted to move out, you got to get a job and pay your own rent. So he hooked me up with a job at a Japanese ramen shop that another church, his church friend owned here in East Village. So that's how I got started. I'm, you know, young kid, doesn't know anything. I've never really cooked before in my life. and But it was fun for me. Honestly, it was fun for me because it was fast paced and I was like strong. I was like lifting. I was like really strong then. So I can carry up eight boxes of noodles and all like my, all, all the, the chefs dish, were so happy. Shirts, like, uh... oh, Jay, go down and go get it. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, I got it. I'm the youngest kid. Like, oh, yes, he could do all the heavy grunt work. So, so yeah, when I failed chemistry, I'm like, hey, you know what? Let me, let me try this. This is fun. It doesn't feel like work. In retrospect, I think I made a good decision because uh, it was a sacrifice, though, because cooking, you don't, you don't really make money cooking. Line cooking. That's true. It's a sacrifice. You work long hours. It's stressful. But it's like an investment. You're investing time for yourself so that one day you can be an executive chef at like a good company or own your own small business or... I guess that's kind of like the goal, right? The big dream. One day, I hope to aspire to being a chef. And then eventually, like, maybe I'll own my own restaurant. Is that the goal for most chefs, though? 
Like, is it like so. two different paths? Someone that just wants to clock in, clock out, and then someone else that wants to take that path and do something more risky and have their own restaurant? Yeah, it's kind of like divided into two types of chefs. One wants stability and like benefits, Pretty stability, much. like low risk kind of thing. But then the other, the other group of chefs will want to venture out and take a risk and make a name for themselves and you know open up a business. I think it's crazy too how you mentioned opening up a new one, right? It was in the midst of the pandemic. Not only is it fucking insanely challenging as, running as a business, and now you got to throw in, oh, yeah, we just have like a global pandemic hitting us right now. When we opened, we didn't have our beer and wine license then. And um, I had a decision to make. Do I delay the opening and wait for my beer and wine license so I can open up with food and drinks like together? Or do I open with food only with like, you know, soft beverages and mocktails just to maintain the momentum and I decided to open just with food with, with soft beverages because I didn't want to lose the momentum. Right. Yeah. And what that meant for me, I knew I was going to lose money because in restaurant business, you, they say people come for the food, but the drinks is what pays the bills. So I was losing money from the moment I opened and then pandemic hit, just had to shut down. So it was really hard. It was really hard. Nobody knew how long we were going to be closed for. Yeah, yeah. I thought no. it was going to be two weeks tops, honestly. When you look back on it, it all makes sense. But like yeah. in the moment, I remember thinking, oh, we're all going to rewind, do something and then go back to normal life. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Nobody knew. So have you actually been fully, fully open since all this happened? No. <laughs> well, I'm fully open now, but there's still restrictions of such course. as like checking vaccinations and things like that. Also, I closed for a month from March, like mid-March to mid-April when pandemic first hit in 2020. And I, and I couldn't sit. You know, I'm, I'm an immigrant, you know, I never got handed anything. I had to work hard, work for everything I Every have. Every dollar, yeah. So I couldn't sit alone at home. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to wait till the government bails me out. I'm going to just right. go out and just try. So I decided to reopen just doing takeouts, cooking for charities and organizations, um, and just found like different streams of revenue, such as creating more merch for the restaurant, jarred chili oil that people can buy, to-go cocktails like with, with made with soju. You had some of like your menus where it was catered for like picnics and stuff like that yeah. too as well. Yeah, 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 Picnic yeah. packs. Yeah. So we just, I just constantly just kept pushing, uh, just finding ways to just pivot and just keep it going. <laughs> so it was a lot of pivoting. It was thinking, a lot. Thinking yeah. on your feet probably too. Yeah. But honestly though, looking back now, pandemic saved me though. How so? It saved me because I was, it was a failing business model when I first had it open. Okay. Because my labor was high. My food cost was high. We weren't open seven days. I just wanted to be open six days. Like I was like creating restrictions and like creating systems too early on, thinking I knew more than I did. And um, I was losing every money every month. And if it wasn't for the pandemic, I don't think I would have lasted more than like three months. Because you would probably have that. kept that same model going. Yeah. But pandemic forced me to take a step back and reassess the business model. Like, all right, so I've been given a second chance now. So how do I improve what i had do i make tweaks and figure out ways how to make things work now i have a chance an opportunity to build up again slowly and it's not a rush before opening no one like when i was opening no one from the pop-up to no one everything was like go 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 yeah, go. rush rush so now i was able to take things a little slower and um take things step by step and um and yeah i think it ultimately saved me that's actually kind of crazy because most people hit the pandemic and you just hear the opposite destroyed the business they had to close couldn't keep up with anything they couldn't like you said pivot and change and react to what was happening but for you it was genuinely the complete opposite 
It really was. I mean, at the time, I thought it was a bad thing. But then with time, I slowly started to realize, like, wait, this is an opportunity. You can always see the bad thing and everything. But it's really important to see the good things and see the bigger bigger vision and not to be so stuck on the small picture. You know? Yeah, Man, that's some motivating stuff right there. The challenges you had to overcome opening the restaurant, because we know a lot of places that didn't make it. This may be a dumb question, but do you feel comfortable where you are right now with the restaurant? Uh, very comfortable. No, well, it, it's not comfort. I'm confident. I want to do more. I was complacent at one point last year. And then um, after the New Year's, I'm like, all right, it's time to build. Let's not stop What's the here. next move? Yeah. Do you have something you've been like up to, something new you're trying to do? Aside from the podcast? Aside from the podcast, I'm um, slowly looking into a second location. Oh, shit. Congratulations, you know. Well, don't congratulate me yet. You know I mean, what I mean? Knock it's, on wood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> knock, knock on wood. Um, I, I trademarked the name No One last year. My ultimate goal is to open more No Ones across the U.S., not just limited to New York, but different cities of, of the U.S., such as Miami or L.A., um, Chicago. Or, wow. Yeah. So, West Coast, California, I assume, of course. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. So that's my ultimate goal, and I'm, I'm not going to stop until LA I K, do that. LA, yeah. K-Town, maybe. Is there a difference in mentality with, I guess, expanding the same type of restaurant as opposed to like creating something different? I think it's easier to expand something of the same, uh, like a same concept. Yeah. Um, as long as it's, pr- it's a proven concept, mm. it's a healthy PNL, and you know that it can do well in other different parts of the the U.S. with similar types of demographic. So I think it's easier to do that. I mean, one example is uh, Morimoto. He opened up Momosan, which is a casual ramen izakaya. He opened one near Grand Central in New York City, and now it's in Seattle. It's in Boston. So he saw it did well here and just copy paste it somewhere else. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So it's easier to you have a blueprint of how many staff you need. You have a blueprint of the food cost, more or less, you know, it's a plug and play kind of thing. It's not as easy as that sounds, but it's much easier than creating a whole new concept over and over with, again. Yeah, it's, it's that's hard, you know, that's kind of tough because I guess let's say hypothetically someone in New York comes to your restaurant a lot and they're looking for some variety from you specifically. How do you kind of express yourself that way? like different variety i mean our our menu changes here pretty frequently um our staples stay but every season we do something new not even just with food with drinks too especially now because you got the full license yeah Yeah. (laughs) so with every season we try to create something a little different just to keep our creative juices flowing that way when the same guests come back they can order something that's new and try something that's different yeah yeah i still remember even uh when you did like some of those pop-ups oh yeah so that's another way i stay creative i do pop-ups for example, last year, May, Cinco de Mayo, I did a taco pop-up mm. um, oh, cool. with the flavors of no one. And then two winters ago, oh, last winter? Or last winter you got or the winter before? Now, man. I'm, 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 I don't even know what date is today, but... <laughs> um, what year are we in? Is this real life? <laughs> um, I, during this Christmas time leading up to like Christmas, I did a Feast of the Seven Fishes pop-up, finding ways to just be creative and do something yeah. different. By the way, yeah, yo, your burger is fucking phenomenal. Yo, I want to talk about that for a little bit because you are a Korean-American chef. It's funny that one of your mainstays is that kimchi burger. Yeah. How did that come about? All right. So in 2019, I did a six-month pop-up at Black Emperor Bar in East Village. Yep. They're no longer open now, but um, they closed during the pandemic. But I went in there and um, one of the owners asked me to come in and do, can you can you commit to six months? You pay rent, you keep all the food revenue. So it was an opportunity for me okay. to do my food and to have a consistent place, residency, right, if you will. 
and I just made a menu that fit that bar's atmosphere. They were like Japanese uh, dive bar, like dive bar, kinda, yeah. Because when I go to American bars or pubs, I love a burger. I'll always get tots. <laughs> I always get chicken wings. Yes. Like these are the things that I always get. So I'm like, okay, let me just take these three dishes, but put a Korean twist on them and just have like maybe eight to 10 items on the menu and just serve that. I like that. So when I did that, I created kimchi mayo. I'm like, okay, I'm Korean. I'll, I make kimchi. I make kimchi you here. You ferment it yourself? Too. Yeah. We, For real? We make, yeah, we it make it here. Good. Where's the hole in the ground? <laughs> No, <laughs> this is how kimchi is made. Yo, for those that don't know, clearly I am not the Korean one here. I'm I'm sandwiched, I'm sandwiched between two Korean guys, so I'm asking these questions on behalf of the non-Koreans out there. For can you up. make kimchi without a hole in the ground? This yeah, is a legit question. Yes, you, you, you can. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, so so I'm like, okay, so I'm gonna make a kimchi mayo because I love mayo. I, I'm you know I'm a fat boy at heart. I love like creamy dressings yep. you know i love like fatty steaks and i want my fingers to get a little you know like messy. messy yeah, yeah, yeah. i want that grease you know finger you licking grease. good you know i made the kimchi mayo burgers there and then t- for two months i wasn't doing well because the bar was brand new i was brand new no one knew who we were oh so people were coming for the bar and then staying for the food but because no one was coming for the bar you had no one to stay it for just the didn't have traction yeah because they didn't do any pr they were brand new they, we opened the same day no one knew who they were. Obviously, no one knew who I was. And um, for two months, I was I was paying like thousands of dollars in rent just to use their kitchen. And I was losing money. And I, I didn't have a lot of savings at all either. It came to a point where I had to sell my Panerai watch just so I had a few thousand dollars to pay Dang, the next month's rent. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when I sold that watch, I went to Diamond District. I paid like eight grand for it. I sold it for like three. Shit. Yeah. Fucking so, uncut gem shit right there. Because I just needed... One month, one, I was like, one you know what? Month. I just need one more month of rent. If this fails, then at least I know I tried. Wow, man! But as soon as I sold that watch, a week later, an article comes out from Gothamist, and the title of the article was the food review was uh, "Random Bar in East Village Serving One of New York City's Greatest yes, Burger." I read that. Oh yeah. wow! When that came out, my inbox just started flooding. People were like, "Yo, oh my god, Jay! Like, what the?" F-? And I was like, when I saw it. For like a split second, I was a little like disappointed because how so? Yeah. Well, because I'm like I trained all these years as a chef in New oh, York I City. Oh, I see where you're gonna go with this. Yeah. And I'm getting known for a fucking like a burger. burger. Ego amigo. <laughs> yes. Ego amigo. For a split second, and then I thought to myself, burgers been around for so many years, hundreds of years, and I don't know the history of burgers, but <laughs> been around for many, many years in in the U.S. And I made a burger that. They want to talk about exactly. That's pretty amazing. A simple burger, but I put put a spin on it where people wanted to really eat and try. So it's creamy, has that spice, you know, all that juice. You have a chicken sandwich too. Yeah, I remember KFC. Mm-hmm. Yo, Popeye shout out KFC. KFC right here. Yo, man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this guy's a fry master. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Right here. Our executive sous chef from KFC, Linji. Do you guys remember? Um, there was like this ch- fried chicken sandwich craze. It was like Popeyes and Wendy's. Like chicken sandwich was like the craze. Yeah, they were like beefing Everyone's, on social yeah. media. Everyone starts making the reviews and shit. Yeah. yeah. So I said, okay, well, guess what? Like I, I know Korea is known for fried chicken. We do it very well, but the difference with our fried chicken is that we glaze our chicken and like like a sweet kochujang glaze or like a soy garlic glaze. It's what we do. It, this is what we do. So I said, okay, I'm gonna make a chicken sandwich. But I'm gonna glaze it in kochujang glaze. I'm gonna put soy pickle jalapenos. Yeah. I'm gonna put scallions Ooh. with sesame QP mayo, crushed peanuts, 
Parmesan cheese on it. I'm going to sell this. And it just stayed on. People loved it. I have always said, and as a part owner of KFC, this sounds kind of <laughs> weird, but I have always said like Korean fried chicken, God tier. Linji has like a... My last meal would be like a cheeseburger. Oh. Probably like a second to third would be Korean fried chicken. Wow. I fucking love Korean fried chicken. And this is just me ranting about alcohol again, but I used to just love eating Korean fried chicken and having Beer? a bottle of soju. Yeah, I... Of soju? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. Yo, Linji could drink and he loves soju. Oh my <laughs> God. Linji loves soju. Yo. Yo, you saw his eyes. He had Yo, to collect himself. Korean fried chicken and soju? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I have said this multiple times on this podcast. Soju is like the best bang for your buck. Don't hate on soju. You should be the ambassador. I do want to touch base on this. Social media, news, you know, stuff like that. It's such an integral part of a restaurant and a chef's success nowadays. How big of a part does that have to do with not just your success, but I guess the industry in general? It helps a lot. Like Instagram was a, probably the biggest tool that helped my pop up to opening no one. My fiance was my girlfriend at the time. She's she's an influencer. Yes. So, Do you feel weird saying that? Um, no, not at all. He's I a mean, little shy. I, I mean, a little shy, you know, but <laughs> she's an influencer. Uh, by the way, Jay was recently engaged. So as a married man, you have my deepest condolences. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. You were saying? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> He's like, oh, shit. Maybe. She, she got oh, real. Yeah, that's funny. Yo, Jay, she got real. For once, Jay has no she idea what that was to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, yeah. To listen to this, so it's fine. Yeah, let's cut that part out. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. That's me saying it. It's, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> that's me saying it. Oh, man. Um, wait, what were we talking about? <laughs> social, uh, social, social media, media. Oh, yeah. how important and how much of a factor it is. Very important because that's how the audience stays updated with what the restaurant's doing. Like, for example... We're creating a special tonight. Who's going to know about it unless exactly. we post about it and people see it on, on Instagram? Like You're not going to go to like the fucking New York Post, but hey, read all about it. So yeah, it's a really big part. I think it's a big part of every restaurant. It's 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 a good thing. Speaking of social media, you, you're pretty seamless when it comes to doing that kind of stuff and pumping out like the marketing. Like you're really good at you know marketing your brand. It used to be my fiance, Rebecca, but um, now Archer. My social media manager gotcha. slash videographer, photographer, he he does it all. I, I only tell him when I create new dishes, hey, Archer, can you take a photo of this? Hey, next week I wanna, I'm want i going to do this. And he'll take photos of it and he'll just promote it at, you know, when he thinks it's best. Is that how the whole like Vice thing even happened where like Munchies, like they sold you marketing the brand? And like, yeah, oh, I'm curious. Oh. Did they just see you like, yo, dude, I love your tats and fucking like <laughs> no. at a bar or some shit and you just start talking like, what happened? Yo, you know Munchies? <laughs> well, <laughs> you a chef? Okay, so I think I think this is what happened. I think um, my pop-up was really successful and um, when I opened No One, I was getting a lot of publicity. Everyone was writing about it and then Vice Munchies, Faraday, Faraday's, uh, she's like the culinary yeah, yeah, yeah. producer slash she does everything there and um, she asked me to come in to do like a, I think it was a test run. She was for like just Audition. like the Instagram. So she wanted to see how I performed on camera. She didn't tell me it was a test run, but it was like. It was a test without telling you it's a test. Exactly. And then I, I filmed that. And then she called me back right before the pandemic happened. They're like, hey, can you come back? And now let's shoot that. But like a full segment. A full segment. So and, and then after that, the video got some views, I guess. And she called me back to do another thing. And I don't know. They just kept calling me back. So well, that's always good. I remember I first saw your face was on Munchies. Oh, wow. It's kind of strange how like people that are not in the restaurant industry like myself, we get, unfortunately or fortunately, get a lot of our stuff from social media. Do you think in some ways it's also a detriment? And what I mean by that is Yelp culture. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, right? But um, 
it's pretty common that industry professionals don't like Yelpers. I've heard. I, I think it's like battle of two egos kind of thing. That's a good way of putting it, yep. Because the industry, you know, the hospitality professionals like, oh, this is what we do for a living. You don't know this more than we do. Yeah. Mm. We don't know food like we do. You don't, you, you don't know. And then the Yelpers are like, well, I eat around all the time and I know. Yeah, I'm an Yelp elite, all these things. And so it's like they, they feel entitled. They, they feel like they have some ego to them, too. And then 100%, yeah. it's like battle of two ego, egos. Uh, me personally, I don't really I don't really care. Like I rarely engage in arguments with people that say that had, you know, we have some guests here that say they didn't have a good time. Right, exactly. It's, um, it's not crazy to assume sometimes, hey, maybe we didn't deliver, you know, proper service to this one guest. Or it it's just like, happen. you know, that person's preferences. Right? Yeah, exactly. It you does. expect everyone to come to the door to have a good time. You can't please everyone. I, I respond to good good, uh, good, good feedback. feedback. I'll say, hey, thanks so much. I hope to see you again soon. I respond to bad feedback. Like like one guest said, um, oh, the food was salty, everything, but everything was kind of cool. Like, hey, uh, thanks for your feedback. Um, we're continually trying to make our food more consistent. Yeah, that's constructive criticism. We would love for you to welcome you back in the future. Uh, we'd love to see you. We, and I promise the food will be better. Yeah, You know, exactly. things like that. And I'll also say that. And it took me a lot to like, I guess, get there because I used to take things a lot more personally. But I realized like, honestly, I'm not cooking for myself, man. Like, what, yeah. what am I, like, yes, a part of me is like cooking to tell my story. But honestly, it's for the people that's coming in to eat. If they enjoy it, that's really important to me. You know? That's true too, yeah. If they don't enjoy it, I can't take that personally. I need to find a way to, okay, what did they not like? Okay, is that something I can do to fix? Or is, was that just their personal preference? Is this, uh, am I having a bad day? Are they having a bad day? Is this constructive? You know, is this like a legit feedback that I'm like, oh, we do have to address this, you know, this step of service maybe. That's like a hard balance to find, right? Of course. Yeah. And that's what it is, legitimacy. And you just have to accept the fact that you can't please everyone. Like, for example, one, one guest was like, oh, it was too... The food was good, the drinks were good, but it was too loud. And then, <laughs> right. No, it's true. Some of these reviews have nothing to do with the actual food, the service. They'll be like, oh, the air here is just thick. The weather that day was so yeah. cold, I just couldn't enjoy my oh, thing. Yeah. These, these light bulbs are so warm, they're not bright. You know, like, yeah. it's like, it's ridiculous, some of these things. So I'm not going to turn down the music for one guest and ruin the vibe for all the other guests. You know, it's yeah. an East Village weekend. It, you need to have some music at an appropriate level where it yeah. feels. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, you got to accept some some of that too. So Speaking of all of this, if you could give yourself some advice, is there something you wish you could have done or told yourself that you wish you could have changed? No, there's no advice I would tell them because... Uh, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And um, like, I wouldn't be where I am today if, if I didn't go through, right. through all that myself. I think um, everyone grows and matures at their own pace when they have to mature in their life. So, you know, I think I went through it at the at the perfect time where I had to go through it. So since now you're the executive dishwasher, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people come to you for advice. Aspiring chefs, do you have like a mantra that you always kind of like believe in, like try to spread the word about? What I would tell any aspiring young chefs and young cooks is that don't cook for the wrong reasons. You What's should, like a wrong reason? Yeah. You want the fame. You want... You want to look cool. So it's like, hey, you should, you should cook and be a chef. If you want to serve others, being a chef is not, it's leading to, leading your team. But then you're ultimately there to serve, to serve the, the guests. Do you think it's like a new wave where before there was no such thing as it celebrity? Has to be. Yeah, exactly. But that's now, the it's, thing. now it's like a celebrity kind of thing. I think that's cool, but it's also bad. Double-edged sword because that, that really feeds an ego. You think you're way more important than you actually are. Yeah, um, I've seen I've seen my fair share of chefs where it's like, dude, are you doing this for your passion yeah. or are you just doing this because 
Because when you were coming up, there wasn't much of a celebrity chef culture, right? Not so, so like, much. Well, you know, Anthony Bourdain, RIP. RIP. I read his book, Kitchen Confidential, which, book which inspired me to become a chef. But hearing about his story, like, it sounded like he was just going through adversity and always finding, like, a way, like, to push forward. And I love that perseverance in, the, in his story that I wanted to be a chef. I think I relate. I related with it when I when I moved here as a kid and I had to, like, find my ways to fit in and push forward as I, I moved around a lot too so you know i always had to adapt and just hearing his story in the book really made me want to you know go with it as a, as a profession so yeah I, th- I think ultimately celebrity chef it's like a good thing and a bad thing you know i'm doing the media stuff now i mean i'm in a few videos but i'm not really doing it for like honestly my own fame i'm doing it to really just promote the restaurant 100 yeah. hopefully it share brings, your story your background yeah if it ultimately brings in more people through our doors it's good for me it's good for the staff it's good for everything else so and if it helps me to open my second restaurant so i can be in a different city and do the same thing great you know or we'll be there I have to carry this uh 40 pound backpack <laughs> through the terminal we're just gonna show up it's like yo uh, <laughs> we're hungry jay said we could just pop in and eat we're just gonna put our mics and shit on the side is there like a subculture among, for lack of a better word, among you more famous celebrity chefs? Because I'm so curious, not actually being in the industry, what that relationship is with you and uh, John Doe, who is maybe doing like the same rounds in like the same media areas. Yo, it's like LeBron James, Steph Curry shit. Uh, for the most part, there's definitely uh, support, I would say, at least with the the circle of chefs that I'm, you know, I'm in. There's definitely some jealousy I could see in some people's eyes. You don't you don't openly say it, but I can. They're drinking the haterade. Yeah, so you know I don't really engage in that, and um, just trying to like live my life and not really engage in things like that. Yeah, I have the side blinders on and just keep fucking trucking. Unlike sports, someone else's success does not necessarily translate to you losing in some way. Yeah, uh, one reason why I kind of took a break from social media recently is because. Um, I was watching all everyone's highlights, like my friends were opening a second restaurant and doing all these things. And me being competitive by nature, mm. like I felt like this, putting all this pressure on me to yeah, like you're comparing. do all these things. I, I thought it was uh, a necessary time to do it because I don't think that was jealousy per se, but I think it was just like um, maybe a little bit of envy or maybe a little bit of just comparison. So I just went on a social media detox. I, I stopped for like, I just deleted the apps off my phone for about for over two weeks. Social media can be really toxic and people don't realize. That's why I don't have the TikTok because I know myself, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be trapped on that, stuck on it. I know people that just say stay on it for hours. Yeah. It's a good thing that you did. You probably feel a lot better right now. Way happier. I went from... um, More sleep? Yeah. I have an iPhone and um, it tells you like how many hours you spent. It cut down by two hours per day, just deleting social Yo, media off my phone. picture yourself for two more hours each day staring exactly, at your phone. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, you're a dad, right? Yeah. So I'm sure, um, I mean, I'm not a dad, but I'm sure you hear it from parents all the time. There's not enough time of the day. But if you quit <laughs> social media, you'll gain two more hours per day. That's 14 hours a week. 14 hours a week. Dude, that's so much time. So much time that you could be doing something much more productive. Dude, I read a book and... <laughs> In two weeks, I read one book. You're like, holy shit. Dude, I read a book. I, I, I read maybe <laughs> four books in my life. You know what I mean? Kitchen Confidential was one of them. <laughs> say that's definitely one of them. Dude, I, I haven't read many books. Goosebumps and shit. <laughs> yeah. Your personal life. We talked a lot about you chefing around, you dishwashing around. What else do you like to do on a personal basis that's non-food related? Well, I love to jog now. And I like to spend time with my fiance. Oh. I like to eat together. We'll keep this part in. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good save. Thank you. Linji, he, he knows what's up. 
highlight this part. Put this in the beginning <laughs> and then middle and end. Just <laughs> just put it on loop. Whenever I can, I I like to spend time with my family, her family. Yeah, it's it's really important to me. So that's a struggle sometimes with chefs, right? Or people in the restaurant industry find that work life balance. Yeah, I mean, work life balance is very rare in this industry. You know, I would say, especially for like the higher you move up in the chain. Once you become a manager, you're working more, substantially more. You become a, a chef. You on, on a salary, you work substantially more. So, finding time to balance out your days off or your time off with things that matter to you, that's where it gets tough because you don't really get alone time. You know, I don't have alone time. My、uh, my fiance works at home. I wake up when I'm not home. She that's her alone time. You know what I mean? But when <laughs> But I come here, I have、that. to be someone's boss. Like,、mm. yeah, there were yeah. many.、Hats. So the only alone time I get, I'm like, okay, I need alone time. What can I do? Jog, and even if it's ten, fifteen minutes, that's, that's a long time、day. to me. It really recharges me. It's nice. It feels nice. Me and Lindsay were getting coffee before we sh-、uh, shot this or、uh, aired this episode, and、um, there was a homeless guy. I thought he worked for the fucking coffee shop, and you know, engage conversation. Hey, how you doing? Blah blah. He's like, hey, yeah, man. What do you say again? Can you help me out? Can you help me? I was like, oh fuck, I got trapped. So I was like, okay, we go inside. We're getting the coffee. You know, me and Linda are like, oh, you know what? Let's get him something. So we got the orange, that banana bread. Is it good, by the way? It's good. I'm eating the bread right now. All right, thank you, Chef. <laughs> Jay's not homeless, but he's eating the yes, bread. Yes, yes, thank you, Jay. So while he's waiting for the coffee, I go out, give it to him. Say,、so, hey, here you go, brother. I was like, oh no, man, you got a cigarette. And I'm like, this motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, God damn. Typical downtown. Yes. East Village, Lower East Side. That's New York, right there, in a nutshell. So they don't even try to hide it. They just want. But he apologized. He's like, "Yo, my bad. I just、yeah. want a cigarette." <laughs> If、wow. he said that from the start, I wouldn't be judging at all. That's what I was saying to you. I was like, "Bro, you're standing in front of a fucking health juice store, and you're asking to help you out." Yeah, and you're not standing、yeah. at the newsstand. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the bodega. Yeah, yeah. He needs a better business plan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, speaking of like just going out, I know you love to eat. Do you have like your favorite spot at Chinatown in Koreatown? We have this ongoing thing: best places in Koreatown, best places in Chinatown. But when I say Chinatown, there's various Chinatowns, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can get your pick. I recently went to eat at at a new restaurant in Chinatown. Fell in love with, loved it, love it. They're already popping now, so it's not like I'm giving away a secret.、Um, Uncle Lou. Uncle Lou. That sounds really familiar.、Um, Mulberry Street. What's the big draw there? Family style. They, it's a it's a Cantonese restaurant, I believe. Peking duck. They're known for garlic fried chicken. Super delicious. Linji loves anything with fucking garlic. Just give me like a whole clove of garlic for yo this guy. I went there last week or two weekends ago for my、uh, sister in law's birthday or future sister sister in law's birthday. It was like eleven of us and we ate and we ordered so much food: lobster, efu noodles, wal- walnut shrimp, pan fried flounder. Young Chow fried rice,、yeah. Peking duck. We had so much food, garlic, fri- garlic fried chicken. Well, it's like family style, so you gotta get a lot. Yes, exactly. There was a lazy Susan in the middle, and、um, and Uncle Lou was there. It's a BYOB spot. So when we went there, and Susan, it was Susan's birthday, and she goes there pretty regularly. So t- she told Uncle Lou, "Hey, he was there. Uncle Lou was there. He's like, Uncle Lou, it's my birthday." So he went out and bought Heineken. And brought it for every Yo, one of that, us. That's authentic, right there. That is. Yeah. And then I saw. I just peeked at him. You know, every time I go to a restaurant, I just kind of you know look around and see how they operate. 
and see how the how the staff or how the owner is. And he was going over to different tables with the glass of wine in his hand and, you know, drinking with the different tables. He was such like he was he lives that life. And it's it was really good to see Uncle Lou's the man. Is he like a big chef, let's say, and then he had a place? He's just Uncle Lou. I don't know his story. I know who he is, but I don't know his story. That's a good plug. I, we got to try it out, man. That sounds really... What about uh, K-Town? Dude, K-Town, I, I, to be honest, I don't even go to K-Town anymore. Uh, minus the alcohol, it's... Well, that too, but I, I live on 11th Street here. I never go beyond oh, you don't 11th go Street. You don't I higher. rarely go You're up. You're like in your own little bubble. Yeah. I stay in this area. I used to go to K-Town like once a week before, but... Uh, I went to Jungro a lot, Karaoke City a lot, MK, Peck Chung. But I don't know if you know this, Linji, but I worked in Chinatown for two years at Hotel. I was the opening executive chef at Hotel 50 Bowery. So I fell in love with Chinatown. It was next level. I love actually like I hope I don't get hate for this, but I love Chinatown more than I do Koreatown. Nah, you're going to get all the love in the world. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe a lot of Korean Americans or Koreans can just agree with me, but I think K Town and Thirty Second Street is like getting washed out. It's more like chain like uh, establishments coming in, less it's, small mom and pop places. Yeah, it's losing a lot of small mom and pop shops, which is I think was its character of of um that of gritty, Koreatown. Yeah, the gritty like immigrant yeah. story kind of stuff. Yeah, but you go to Chinatown, it's still more of a mom and pop shop community, which I love. But even then, you know, Chinatown is also struggling to try to keep that vibe right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm rooting for Chinatown. All right, guys. Getting on to our favorite segment of the podcast, ranting and raving. We're going to start off with you today, Jay. Maybe just um, just taking a break from alcohol or substance in general. I, I strongly recommend it. I'm not saying give it up forever, but just take a break. Give your body the chance to reset and reboot. Um, I think it'll help you overall. I had a lot of addictions. Mm, vices. You know? Yeah, like cigarettes was one of them. I quit that. Alcohol was one of them. I quit that. But I think for men, especially men, the biggest thing we struggle, every, the, our longest addiction, really common, is probably pornography. I was like, I was like, is he going to say porn? I was thinking, <laughs> I was like, because I feel a little attacked. <laughs> Most guys, this is probably the longest addiction that they're going through without even really realizing it. And it's probably like the most easily accessible one too. Uh, especially nowadays. Yeah, yeah. You, could, you could just, you can literally just grab it whenever you yeah. want. For drinking, you have to be somewhere, you have to get it. Smoking, you have to buy it. Yeah. One day I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stop. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to stop. I can't let my urges control me. You know what I mean? I, I need to overcome all the urges. So I stop. I stop. I've been... Respect. watch porn and <laughs> uh, probably it's probably like, six months no like, no lie six months maybe but and i'm mentioning this because i think it's a lot it's, it's something that a lot of us struggle with no it's a, a good us. thing a to address of- especially with the younger kids now i don't want to sound too old before we had to like hunt for porn magazine a playboy or something yeah yeah. You know, now it's like, oh shit! I have the. Fucking- we, have to, we have to use more imagination <laughs> with one photo. We have to be creative, like oh, low shit. quality photo, like in the Korean newspaper. Like you go to the back. Oh my god! Like, oh, <laughs> there was like a girl god. with like like a bra on. You're like, oh wow! I'm gonna take this Yo, and just wow. imagine. You ben know? just got transported just got, like yeah. 20 years back then. Ben, I know exactly what I'm talking I about. I do. I'm not gonna even fucking hide it. <laughs> Yo, oh my god! I'm a pervert. <laughs> But uh, going back to it, uh, my rant for today, I guess, is also genitalia involved. Related. Related okay. in okay. some way. My bladder control is really getting to shit. So whenever I go out now, I have to go to the toilet, empty my bladder. Am I safe to leave the house now? Do I not need to run to a bathroom in the next five minutes? And Jay, 
when I came here, first place I went to was the bathroom. Yes, it was. Last place I went to at home was the bathroom. Yes. The fuck is happening with my bladder control? We're just getting old now. I definitely have. I, I relate to that very much. Rebecca always says like, oh, like, like you have weak bladder. Everyone knows that you have to go to the bathroom. Um, now I have a routine. Oh. I drink two cups of coffee in the morning. I drink a cup of water mixed with fiber powder. Now it, it matters a lot. Bowel. Bowel. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, we sound like a bunch of old men. I know. <laughs> it's very important, you know. So after I drink two cups of water and one cup of fiber water, I pee three times after that in 30-minute increments. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Hold on. Three times in 30 minutes? In 30-minute increments. Three? Three. Down to a science. Yeah, is it like super? <laughs> yo, your piss is like, is it the color of this water? It's like, it's just water looking. Uh, Yes. And then like at yeah. 12.45, I make sure I poop. <laughs> I was like, if I don't, if, I, go if to, I, don't, I go to urgent care. If, if, I, if I don't poop in the morning, it's not right. It's not right. Like, You're like, something's up. Something's off. Something something's sucks. off. Jay calls the restaurant. So yo, guys, so, I can't come in today. Yeah. I haven't had my bowel movement yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Someone, someone poisoned me. <laughs> I know it. What about you, Ben? I guess I have to keep it genitalia related. <laughs> you ever like have to go take a shit really bad, but you don't realize you got to check if there's enough toilet paper? Have you ever had that? No, but okay, go for oh, it. All right. I, I always, if I have to go in public, which that rarely happens, yeah, but I always have. check for a toilet paper. Because if you're very set schedule at home, yes, of course. <laughs> I have to get, I mean, for sure. You got you to gotta make sure, you know? Yeah, exactly. But sometimes you can't. And uh, I didn't. But luckily, you know when you finish a toilet paper, it has that brown thing? Oh, no. Yeah. I was like, oh, fuck. I'm, you know, you're sitting there. I'm like. So you scraped it off. <laughs> yes, yes, chef. Yes, chef. Hi. I had to. I was like, oh, fuck. God, give me strength. I had to pray. I was like, come oh, on. Oh, man. Yeah, it's not that bad. For, so any of you listeners out there, if you want a life hack, use the, use the, <laughs> use the brown part of the toilet paper. Oh, man. This episode has taken a weird left turn. <laughs> strange, strange left turn. But yeah. Oh, my God. This was a culinary episode, right? Oh, yeah. Everyone lost their appetite. I do want to say it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having us in your space. Mm-hmm. We'll send you the bill for helping you unload that fridge <laughs> later. No labor is free. We're, we're oh. running at a net loss right now for this business. Uh, yeah. It was a real pleasure talking to you today. Likewise, man. Yo, Thanks so real. much. You want to tell the people on the internet how to find you if they're not in New York City? Okay. Yeah, guys. Follow me on Instagram at yo.jaylee, spelled J-A-E-L-E-E. But also follow the restaurant no one.nyc spelled n-o-w-o-n dot n-y-c we're located in east village new york city follow us come visit us come say hi we're open seven days a week Woo! come check it out good shit if you guys want to see what we're up to ben and i are on every social media at the same exact handle worst asian pod all the time go to www.worstasianpod.com it'll link you to everything from there go down in the box below in spotify apple you click that five star review button please takes two seconds yep we are running at a net loss right now, so <laughs> whatever whatever you can help to do with the algorithm, please do so. Yes. For love of God. We'll put up our I keep saying it well, we'll put up our Venmo or QR codes up. <laughs> Alright. So scan and donate. We'll catch you next week. Love you guys. Be safe. Bye.